Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And on today's show, Andre Rublev captures fourth title of the year in St. Petersburg. Andy Murray is elected to the ATP Player Council. And Sam Query goes on the run from Russia. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Kim, uh, that last line, I feel like that was just like, it's just come straight out of a James Bond. It's just come out straight out of a James <laughs> Bond film, hasn't it? Sam Query goes on the run from Russia. Wow. Well, I mean, the, the James Bond premiere keeps being put back. So we've got some kind of new, <laughs> I don't know, espionage. Kind of, it sounds like it, it sounds like a bit like a Cold War kind of thriller, doesn't it? On the run from Russia. Mm. Um, yeah, bit bizarre. <laughs> We know Daniel Craig, this is his last James Bond film coming up. So maybe Sam Query is like thinking here, hey, maybe he's the new Bond. Maybe if I do something, yes. he's, yeah, he could be the new Bond. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that would certainly be a turn out for the books. But we'll, we'll get on to that later, won't we, Joel? Uh, when we touch on what happened in St. Petersburg. I mean, that probably was the most dramatic storyline, uh, that came out of, of St. Petersburg this week. <laughs> totally left i mean totally left field i mean there's so much to unpick in that story alone um, but we have had we have had some tennis this week and we will be looking at the three tournaments looking back on the three tournaments that have happened uh so far post french open and um i mean kind of just before kind of getting on to that really let's kind of just take a step back and look at the schedule post french open through to the end of the year because you know we were coming to the end of roland garros and looking at the schedule for the you know the men and the women and they're really, really different, aren't they, Kim? Because we've got the, the WTA tour. There's two events, uh, one in Linz and then one in Ostrava in Czech Republic. And then the ATP. Um, I mean, they've got, I mean, they've got loads of events. I think they've got, I mean, they've had just had obviously Cologne, uh, Sardinia, uh, this week along with St. Petersburg, Antwerp, another co- tournament in Cologne, Moscow, Vienna, Paris, Sofia, uh, the World Tour finals. I mean, there's a very, there's a very big, difference isn't there between the the you know the atp schedule and the wta schedule and you know of course the wta schedule has been ravaged by the fact that you know they would normally you know be focusing all of their tournaments in asia at the moment and that is not able to happen but at the same time yeah it's there's just a massive there's a massive difference going on you joel you forgot the astana open in uh i think oh, kazakhstan sorry. i know how could you forget uh, i was really looking forward to that one um yeah <laughs> i know it's <laughs> the wj calendar for the rest of the year is very sparse i think most players will just be like yeah I, i'm not gonna bother because well we've got a strava a premier event which is starting like now like this week coming and then lintz in november and that's it unless there's going to be any kind of last minute things added um it's a bit of a shame because yes the asian swing was cancelled but obviously 
there was still some time for maybe a tournament to kind of be put together, you know, to be organized. Obviously, there are a lot of tournaments that didn't happen earlier in the year that maybe they could have got something together. Um, I know there's a lot of, you know, restrictions and regulations and the situation is changing all the time in different countries. But it does it does seem a shame that there isn't so much happening, you know, after we've had these two slams, um, especially, for example, Cologne, you know, there, there's been two men's events in a row there. I think they were trying to get the second week to be the women's event, but they just couldn't couldn't get the WTA kind of to to organize it. I don't know what was going on uh, behind the scenes, to be honest, but it's, you know, we've now ended up with Cologne one and, and Cologne two for the, for the ATP, which is slightly bizarre, but hey, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go over there. I'll still watch it, but yeah, a bit of a shame for the WTA. Yeah. And we've also had, you know, events crop up like uh, Sardinia this week, which completely new event. I think it's on like a one year license, but it obviously shows that the ATP, you know, reacted to the situation and have put kind of tournaments in place for, players to turn up to in order to get a pay you know a paycheck and um you know um you know earn some money to you know, keep their kind of keep their kind of uh job you know their lifestyle going um and yeah the wta i mean they've literally got two events i mean conta i think has pulled out of ostrava because the, the situation in czech republic is not very good at the moment so i mean that's effectively ended her um her season and uh, yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i think you know when you look at the fact there's only two events you know on the wta side i mean what are the what are the players thinking are they you know are they like really frustrated um because i feel like i would be particularly if i was kind of one of the you know maybe the the lower ranked players thinking you know i you know the wta needs to protect me in terms of they've got to give me tournaments for me to turn up to in order to you know make some make some prize money to make some you know some cash you know whilst i've you know been off uh, because of you know when we had that pause for example I mean, I, I, the, there will still be ITF events, uh, but obviously uh, the demand for those will increase. So if you're kind of really lowly ranked and you're used to playing on the ITF tour, you might find it they're harder to get into because you've got kind of players who are higher ranked, you know, not playing on the WTA tour who are kind of opting to go for ITF events, perhaps to kind of just keep some money coming in and to keep playing. You know, some people just love to play week in, week out, don't they? And they, they wouldn't want to kind of have a few months off, you know, especially because of the, the shutdown earlier in the year. So there becomes so much more like competition just to get into events uh, because there's so few around. But let's hope that next season, like they'll be able to kind of carry on with the tour in as much as close a format to kind of the original schedule as possible, um, you know, without the need for kind of massive delays or shutdowns and you know hopefully we can kind of we've got this kind of blueprint going for how to run a tournament in this kind of time and they can kind of keep adhering to that and the protocols I mean it, it must be very difficult for the players you know they're being tested all the time they've got worries about being stuck in you know a country and being ill or you know being forced to stay in a hotel room for weeks you know hence Sam Query's decision to perhaps flee um, so it, it is a difficult it is difficult for them all. And, you know, um, if you're a top player and can afford to, I, I, maybe it's quite nice to have a few extra months off and just prepare for next year. Yeah, I think I, I just think like with the, you know, the question on the on the player front is, you know, we've had this kind of, uh, you know, chat around the formation of this new uh, PTPA um, you know, fronted by Novak Djokovic, um, looking to get, uh, you know, players from the ATP and WTA on board. And I do. And I wonder whether, you know, it, it almost kind of the fact that 
you know, is there an argument to say, you know, the WTA haven't protected kind of players in terms of making sure that there are enough tournaments for them to, you know, play and earn money at? You know, is that going to make them think, actually, I might join the PTPA because they might have my, you know, interests at heart in in terms of making sure that there are events, um, you know, playing for me, uh, you know, available for me in the future because um, it feels like it feels like the ATP have, you know, adapted. Um, but the WTA, I feel like they could have done a lot more. Yes, they had a bit of, I think, I think there is a little bit of bad luck in terms of, in terms of Asia and kind of China and Japan and just being like absolutely no, you know, to hosting any more, any more tournaments for the, you know, the rest of the year. But at the same time, you know, should they have had a, you know, a plan B in terms of putting on events in, in Europe, like, like in Cologne, where it sounds like, you know, the tournament organizers there were keen to have, you know, a, a women's event, whether that was mixed or it was a, a you know, a, sorry, a combined event or whether it was a, you know, women's only on a separate week. Um, yeah, it feels like there was, there was almost kind of a missed opportunity there. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe the WTA player council will have to get get their teeth into into that perhaps like looking back on it or at least you know if if Asia kind of are going to have a blanket ban on any kind of tournaments like next year as well then they'll have to you know they'll have to figure out a way a way around that and uh I know that Asian kind of events have been so dominant, you know, that they China you know paid so much money to host a lot of the the big WTA events and maybe they'll have to reconfigure it a bit. So yeah, watch this space. We will see, um, you know, hopefully we can go back there uh, and it can all kind of go back as planned for next year. But uh, we will see, Joel. But we did have some tennis this week, of course, for the men. And let's begin in, in St. Petersburg, um, where we had Andre Rublev winning yet another title. So it's his fourth title of the year. He uh, defeated Borna Koric 7-6-6-4 in the final today. It's his second straight ATP 500 title for Rublev because he won Hamburg, didn't he, the week before? Well, on the on the day the French Open began, he he defeated mm-hmm. Sitzbass in that <laughs> final. So he's kind of yep. carried on where he, he left off. And uh, yeah, I watched that match today. And to be honest, from the word go, you always felt that Rublev was, you know... <laughs> had the upper hand he he was making the play and it was only really a matter of time I thought before kind of Rublev you know got over the finish line he took he was down in that tie break I think it was 5-2 down he came back when he won that first set I kind of thought yeah I don't see this going three I thought Rublev had it had it sewn up and uh yeah excellent win for him today He's he's got the second most wins in 2020, just behind Novak Djokovic. Uh, Rublev has 34 wins. I mean, for me, he really is kind of the. He's had a breakout year, um, you know, this season. I think you know, last year we were kind of talking about you know Daniel Medvedev as like the you know almost kind of like the I think the breakout star of last season. But I think Rublev's almost kind of stolen his he's stolen his spotlight, and uh, you know, he's a, a fantastic prospect. I mean, I think he's. Um, he's in pole position, I think, to qualify for the World Tour Finals. I don't think he's there just yet, but it's certainly in his hands. And yeah, he's just having he's just having he's having a really good time of it at the moment. And do you know do you know what? When I was kind of looking at the uh, you know when he was he was in the in the presentation afterwards, it was just great to see Rublev smile. I think because. You just don't see. I just always think of him as like a fiery competitor who's always a bit moody and a bit, uh, you know, angry on, on the court. But um, it's great to see him just really kind of committed and dedicated. And I think mm. it's, you know, it's absolutely kind of paid, 
you know dividends this season and you know he'll have he'll have more chances to kind of you know capture more titles through the you know the rest of the season given that you know there's going to be lots of you know top players not playing and you know he's obviously he's one of these players who's you know almost kind of making the most of that that opportunity presented to him at the moment yeah, he's been very consistent. And like you said, I think what we've seen is a is a higher level of maturity from him this year. You know, I always used to think of him as like a, you know, a very boyish kind of teenager who would get quite angry and, you know, really needed to learn mm, to control his... his... Pram. Exactly. And I think now when you see him on court, he's so much more together and... You know, obviously that comes with time and, and he seems very dedicated, um, as you said. And obviously he's got two slam quarterfinals under his belt as well now. So, um, yeah, really making making a name for himself. And I have to say, I, I do really enjoy watching him. And even though he's not a teenager anymore, to me, he does still look extremely young. I think, you know, it's because he's not particularly bulky. So he still looks a bit like quite I think you know he does look younger than he actually is uh, on the court and his hair's pretty bulky though isn't it yeah it's quite <laughs> funky I suppose he he always does look a bit like I don't know stern when he's playing but um yeah it's interesting as well that you mentioned the trophy ceremony because they had some strange kind of dancing going on it was sort of interpretive <laughs> dance and they had um actually a, a singer who was on Eurovision uh which I love um a few years ago uh singing so uh, poor Borna Koric, I think he was in the final last year and lost, so he's had to sit through that twice, uh, that slightly strange St. Petersburg trophy ceremony. But obviously it's great for Russian fans because they've got a home winner again. So, um, yeah, really impressive from Rublev. And uh, we should just mention, Joel, Cam Norrie got to the quarterfinals, lo- lost to Rublev, I think two and one. But um, en route there, Norrie, you know, had wins over Taylor Fritz and Kekmanovic. So pretty good week for Cam, considering. So, uh, yeah, also something to be positive about for, for the British fans. Yeah, he did pretty well. I mean, he probably did. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was too difficult, but yeah, he definitely did the best of the Brits, uh, you know, this week. I was just going to add, Kim, on the quirky um, presentation ceremony in St. Petersburg. I do think St. Petersburg is always up there in terms of the, the tournaments that like to throw a bit of a wild card in terms of how, in terms of how they do the tournament. I feel like we've seen in the past some other kind of quirky innovations that are a bit bit eye raising, and I feel like this year was it wasn't any different. <laughs> well, maybe it's an event that we could go to. I've always wanted to go to Russia, and St. Petersburg is probably you know right up there in terms of where you'd go. So maybe it's uh, I don't know one for the future. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, obviously we mentioned this earlier. Uh, Sam Query fleeing from from the tournament and from Russia. Uh, for anyone who hasn't been following this story as it kind of unfolded, basically, Sam Query tested positive for coronavirus, along with his wife and I think his eight-month-old baby, um, who I think is called Ford, uh, which is a interesting name. Um, and yeah, obviously, he had to withdraw from, from the tournament. Um, and they were, you know, obviously told to quarantine. Um they were in a Four Seasons hotel, you know, fairly nice. Um, and the tournament, I think, arranged for a doctor to go and visit Query in his room. So good so far. Yeah, the doctor wasn't able to gain access to the room. Uh, so a bit strange. I think he tried uh, He tried twice to, to visit Sam and his family, but couldn't get in. Uh, apparently, the tournament organising committee then arranged an apartment for the Queries, uh, you know, so they could, I guess move from the hotel to be in their their own private space um 
but that never happened because apparently Sam Query at 5.45 a.m. in the morning on the 13th of October left the hotel as per CCTV cameras uh, without informing reception and has apparently uh, chartered a private jet to leave the country uh, to a, a location unknown. Um, so, yeah, he's just gone AWOL. He's gone walkabout with his, his wife and uh, baby son. And, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> don't know what to say really i mean where do you begin with that yeah I, I mean this is information that we've got in terms of the timing and you know the statement from the tournament and everything from the hotel and you know what they've done um we obviously don't have his side of events uh so you know because he's just gone off the face of the earth but it doesn't look good for him because he's obviously just completely ignored the rules I was surprised, actually, before we kind of get into all that, I was kind of surprised that he was um, touring with his, you know, wife and baby. I feel like um, that that sort of surprise, I felt like that surprised me. I felt, I, I don't know, if I was kind of a travelling, I mean, of course he wants to kind of, you know, be with his you know, family as, as much as possible. But I feel like, at, you know, at the moment, at the almost kind of, I think the safest place would be, would be home, um, you know, for his wife and baby, maybe not maybe not traveling around Europe where like coronavirus is still kind of, you know, really prevalent on, on the continent. Um, but anyway, I think that's a kind of a, you know, a separate issue, but um, yeah, it's, it is really, I mean, it's really fascinating in terms of the lengths I think players are, are going and, and, and yeah, t- like, you know, taking it into their, taking it into their own hands. Um, you know, we've seen, I mean, this is obviously a, a you know, very, very, very extreme, case and uh i I mean yeah i mean a private a private jet i mean that was yeah that's an extreme length to go to can't someone track that jet down you know on like air traffic control or those like apps that chart all their planes like can someone not find where it landed (laughs) because has he then subsequently gone to america or is he just like biding it out like in a local you know neighboring country like I don't know. Just anyone, any guesses as to where he's gone? Do you think he's got a particular favorite favorite country he'd want to be stuck in while he he waits before he can test negative again? I don't know. Has he been spotted anywhere? <laughs> in all seriousness, no. Um, you know his actions are. You know, I think they're under you know review and in investigation by kind of the ATP. Um, and you know he could receive some sort of punishment um i think kind of from reading about in terms of kind of the implications that he could be given um i, I was just kind of read it here so he could be fined up to a hundred thousand dollars and or suspended from the atp for a period of of up to three years now you know we put out on on kind of social media you know what sort of um you know what sort of what sort of sanction would you kind of put on Sam Quarry given these actions? And it was quite a, you know, it was quite a range actually. And um, I don't know where you kind of sit on this, but uh, it's interesting to see if it will be a ban or whether they will go up to kind of a, uh, um, sorry, a, it will be interesting if they keep it to a fine or whether they will almost kind of make a, you know, make a, an example of of him and be like, look, if if you do this, if you if you if you are really against kind of what we do, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna ban you because I feel like if there is a opportunity for the ATP to kind of make an example of, um, you know, players who break sort of quarantine rules in this sort of uh, you know, new normal, um, this this is our this arguably is the moment to do it. Yeah, this would be like a statement kind of 
outcome, depending on what the ATP decide. I mean, it just reminds me of the whole Zverev situation in at Roland Garros, you know, when he, he played a match and when he wasn't feeling well and, you know, hadn't said anything. Um, like that, that wasn't a good look. This is definitely not a good look. So when will people learn? Like, this is not something to, you know, just ignore and think you can go off and do your own thing. Uh, I mean, okay, good that he took a private jet and didn't get on, you know, some kind of public airline where he could have, you know, encountered the public. But yeah, it doesn't look good. And I don't I mean, I think a three year uh, ban would be very harsh. Uh, I, I would imagine perhaps they could ban him for like the rest of the season. Uh, I think some, some of our listeners said, and, you know, I think a fine as well would be appropriate. And well, he might just want to get straight back to America or back to home after all of this if he's sort of quite embarrassed. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we just didn't see him appear again on the tour for the rest of the year because he might be a bit embarrassed about what he's done, you know, with hindsight. I, I don't know. I mean, I hope they're all well. I hope they're, you know, feeling okay and that they do test negative soon and that, you know, that side of things is is cleared up. But um yeah, it's. I hope other players like don't think that they can suddenly start doing this. There needs to be some kind of punishment, doesn't there? I mean, I did. I did read. I think that the reason they didn't want to stay in Russia was that they might have had to go to hospital. There was some kind of. I don't know if there's some some kind of regulation that means if you do test positive, you have to go to hospital or something. I'm not sure. If anyone knows, um, let us know. But. I don't, I don't know because I think a four seasons hotel or a, a private apartment that's been arranged for you by the tournament that sounds all right to me. Um, I mean, you know, if you've got to stay somewhere, it could be worse places. You're not in some budget hostel, are you? In the middle of in the middle of nowhere, you've got a nice hotel. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's funny because you know he, he, I think you've got a if if you're prepared to play tennis in these times and go mm. to these countries, you have to accept kind of the you know the rule you know the rules that you're gonna and the restrictions that you're going to be placed under and you know maybe before you know that was just kind of you know on the it was more to do with like you know being on the tennis court but you know I think now it's more you know there's definitely more in terms of I guess authority and sort of I guess you know um you know restrictions that you have uh you know off the court when you know you know interacting with other players and you know if you do test positive then you know you're going to have to follow you know you know whatever the kind of the procedure is in that country and if you're not happy to do that then you know quite frankly you really shouldn't be you know playing you know tennis in that country or or on the on or on the tour until you're until you're you know ready to you're ready to do so. So uh, yeah, well, let, let's kind of see what happens because I'm sure we'll, we'll be hearing more about this because I, you know, I think that it's still under investigation. Um, and, um, yeah, I think there's maybe there's, we need to hear from him and yeah, see, see ultimately what the, what sort of kind of sanction the ATP do come up with. Um, let's move on to Cologne though, because. We're having Cologne one. Uh, we've just had Cologne one. Got Cologne two next week, Kim. Um, and yeah, it was a final, uh, another kind of home, hometown, sorry, home country winner. Uh, Sasha Zverev, uh, routining Auger Aliassime 6-3, 6-3, uh, winning his 12th career title, uh, third on home soil. Um, I didn't, I didn't catch much of this, but yeah, it sounded fairly, fairly straightforward for, for Zverev. Um, I always, I'm, I always feel a bit sad, really, for Oje Aliassim because 
he seems to always get to the final and never and never to the and never into the winner's circle. I think this is his is this his seventh final that he's lost? Sixth. His sixth final. Wow. And Owen twelve in sets. He's not even won a set. He hasn't won a set, which is not great. I mean, I think three of those finals have been, you know, against like top ten players, you know, higher ranked than himself. But to not have even won a set is a bit worrying. Uh it kind of reminds me of Denara Safina, you know, her three slam finals and she just kind of got blitzed in all of them, like didn't didn't really make any inroads, like didn't win a set. And it's almost like FAA can kind of do the business to get to the final and then he just kind of freezes up and can't play can't play his tennis, can't can't unleash his game in that final. And I mean, I think today, you know, Zverev was very, very solid. He served well for most of most of the match. You know, he was winning like 80% of, um, you know, points behind his first serve. There wasn't, I think he had a bit of jips on his his serve when he was serving for this first set. But like generally, you know, it was a good performance from Zverev. It was, you know, but he and he didn't let OJ Aliassime kind of, um, you know, kind of play his game at all, really. And I think FAA is going to really have to think hard about what he does in his next final. I mean, it's great that, you know, at such a young age, he's got to so many finals, but there has to come a time and a place when you think, oh, I've really got to get over the finish line. And, and obviously the longer it goes on and the more finals he loses, that's mentally, it's only going to get tougher, isn't it? And I mean, there was a great stat, Joel, that um, I saw on Twitter of all the players that have, you know, had numerous finals and, you know, before they managed to win their first title and, yeah, there's a whole host of other players on on six. Um, some of them eventually won a title, some of them didn't. Uh, Julian Benito, though, Joel, this is a, this is a very sad statistic. Um, Ten finals, zero wins, and he's he's retired now, of course, and he can never he can never uh, change that statistic, which is very sad. Yeah, is Oje Aliassim? Is he? It, does he want to have his own record? Is this what he's? Is this, is, is this his master plan? Does <laughs> he want to not. do a Benito? Um, I hope not. It's not a statistic you want to own, is it? Um, but yeah, he 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 definitely. It's a strange one because you feel like he would be gaining experience each time, particularly in you know in in finals. But um, yeah, it's just it just seems to you know not not be clicking. Of course, he's only twenty years old and he's still a you know a fantastic a fantastic prospect but um oh yeah it's just i think an example of that he's still learning and you know zverev i think you know this match really was quite straightforward for zverev i think the whole tournament really was quite straightforward for for zverev as well um and he just kind of showed i think that he was a couple he's a couple levels above you know where oj aliasim is at the moment and even though they've both got kind of undeniable talent um you know the fact that uh, you know i think oj aliasim you know he's obviously you know with more time on the tour i think he will you know he will come good at some point but at the moment it's his talent is not really kind of helping him in these in these moments and it's funny because it's like you know some of those finals would have been you know in front of a, a capacity crowd i imagine but there's also now you know finals when there's been no crowd at all so it feels like it's probably to do with his game than arguably the kind of the pressure of you know maybe mm, having fans yeah. around i don't know if it's you know the idea of a final but it maybe it might be it feels like it's probably it might be something to do to his game because six six is to a point where you know you could say arguably it's a bit of you know bad luck but when it's like oh and six you feel like it's at a point now where you know they've really got to kind of take a look at it if you know if you're in his if you were in his team 
Yeah, it's not like he's lost some on the last set tie break. And I think tactically, yeah, they'll need to change it up and, and be a bit more astute uh, in the finals. And I feel like if he does get over the finish line, though, that he could very well, you know, it could unleash, you know, a whole flurry of titles and, you know, he might never look back and he might become completely dominant in finals. I feel like he just needs that one. And, and maybe he needs to get lucky in the sense that his opponent, you know, would also need to kind of, be completely nervous, be very, you know, much lower ranked, be in like a completely new situation, like first final. I feel like he maybe he's going to need a bit of a bit of luck somewhere along the line. But I mean, yeah, he is only very, very young. And but I think there just comes a time when you think if this guy's going to make it, he really needs to step it up. And like we saw, didn't we, at the US Open when he played team, um, I think was it in the third round? You know, he kind of got wiped, wiped off the court. And it's like in those sorts of matches, you really need to to you know make you move and 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 show us why we think you're such a bright prospect and yeah still question marks over him to be honest um but we'll see i think he's due to play cologne too so is verev so they're staying in cologne and who knows uh this time next week we might be uh talking you know differently about about him so he's got a chance to immediately to rectify it on on the same court I mean, that's also great about this sort of unique situation that we've got, uh, you know, two events in Cologne back to back is that, yeah, you could literally go out on the same court and, you know, right, you know, right, the right or wrong from the previous week. So we'll see if Oje Aliasim can do that. One player who won't be able to do that is Britain's Andy Murray, who, um, you know, had a pretty, it, it wasn't, yeah, he had a, probably a, Reasonably disappointing loss, um, you know, against Fernando Vadasco, very good, very solid player, very good competitor. Um, six four, six four. He's withdrawn um from next week, uh, I think due to an inflammation of his uh left psoas. Is, is that psoas. right? I probably say that completely psoas. wrong. It's not psoas. psoas. It's psoas. Oh, okay. It's like your psoas. hip, Sorry. basically. It's like oh, okay. muscle. Fancy word for a hip. hip. Okay. Yeah. Well, like your hip um, flexor, I think. Um, but I mean, I, just, I, yeah. But I mean, let's come. Let's just quickly kind of talk about Andy Murray's kind of performance. You know, against Vadasco. You know, it, we've not really seen a lot from him. Uh, you know, is he is he going to kind of do these kind of two fifties and? carry on you know existing i always kind of think back i always kind of think back to you know andy roddick was like a player who was like look i'm just not going to exist on the tour and i wonder if andy murray is in that sort of phase where you know uh, you know losses like this i feel like that's going to make him think look am i existing or am i here to you know win tournaments um yeah and- i feel andy murray is a reflection of a lot of our lives right now in the sense that we're all stuck in a rut. We're kind of existing and not fully living because of COVID and the restrictions. And I feel like Andy's in a bit of a rut, you know, he's kind of getting by, he's he's doing what he can, but he's not really found his game. He's not found his groove again. And I, yeah, I think he's just sort of said like, I need to play more. I need to improve. I just need to practice, practice, practice and and play more. And But obviously if he's got this kind of a niggle popped up again, which I think he said he had after the US Open as well, that's just going to set him back. You know, if he keeps getting all these niggles, it's just not really getting him in that flow that he's going to need um, to be able to like actually really work on his game and kind of get going again. So it's very tricky, isn't it? And, and Carl Edmund also in a similar rut uh, lost mm. 
Again, lost in straight sets, seven five seven six to uh, South Africa's Lloyd Harris. So again, he's he's got some, I think, some questions to to answer. But um, yeah, let's kind of move on uh, to the final final tournament that's been going on this week uh, in Sardinia. This was a new tournament um, on a one year license. Uh, I know. I mean, before we even get into uh, kind of talking about the matches that went place, um, Kim, a lot of people on social media, including myself, were looking at the main court in Sardinia and thinking, is this really an ATP 250 event? Question mark. It looks like a challenger, doesn't it, really? Um, or even a futures event, perhaps. You know, the main court has like, I don't know, three rows of seating. But I mean, it's not like there's going to be fans really attending anyway. So a court is a court at the end of the day True. Uh, yeah. certainly probably levels the playing field a bit makes it a bit easier maybe for some players uh, but I mean it's a tournament so maybe our standards have been slightly lowered <laughs> but we'll, we'll take it we'll take it I mean Laszlo Jair didn't mind because he won his second career title today he beat Marco uh, Cecinato 7-6-7-5 in the final so, uh, yeah, another Serbian winning a title this year. I think along with obviously Novak and Kekmanovic, he's the third Serbian player to, to actually win a, 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 an event this year, which is, you know, they've got quite a good, good depth of, of tennis going on there. Um, but yeah, Laszlo Jair, he got, he did it. Um, I think he's pretty much halved his ranking almost. He's almost outside the top 50 again, um, with that win and, he does love playing on a clay court as well. Mm. I think he's a very, he's very good on a clay court. Yeah. He did play Massetti, you know, up and coming Massetti. Yeah. In the semi-final. Uh, Massetti was a set up actually, but retired at 4-1 down in the third set, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, obviously making waves, you know, he's very young. Uh, people are talking about him and he, yeah, he uh, lived up to some expectations this week. But yeah, but interestingly, the, the kind of, the, again, sort of covid chat around sardinia was the fact that fognini who was scheduled to be the top seed had to um had to withdraw because he uh gave a positive covid19 test on the 14th of october um so he was moved into isolation couldn't play um obviously a big kind of blow to the tournament but his doubles partner was musetti so i think there were you know there was a couple of obviously questions in terms of whether Musetti was allowed to, con- you know, should should have been allowed to continue because I think mm. he was, yeah, as you said, he kind of got to the, you know, last stages of the, you know, the singles event. But um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there was, it was definitely an event that had a bit of, I think, a bit of kind of controversy to it because I think there was some chat kind of in midweek around some sort of player outbreak um, that that we that didn't, I don't think necessarily materialised because we got to the end of the tournament, um, but it, it sounded like it was going to be a lot worse. Um, kind of kind of midway through? Yeah, because the organisers said obviously they were going to do contact tracing on Fognini uh, to see who we'd you know, been in contact with. And therefore, you would have thought, okay, Musetti, doubles partner, obviously, he might be the first to, to go out of the tournament as well. And, uh, unless they, you know, did tests and they all came back negative. And I mean, I don't know. But yeah, there were rumours circulating that there was a, like 20 players who had tested positive. But obviously, I don't think that actually... Happen unless there was a big hush hush cover up, uh, which, you know, would be very controversial if that was then, um, you know, found out that that was the case. But I mean, we'll just, we'll just 
leave it at that. I mean, the guy who came in to replace uh, Fognini was Danilo Petrovic, who ended up getting all the way to the semi-finals. So, you know, he made the most of being being a lucky loser. Um, and so good for him. And I think he was the one that was due to play Andy in Cologne too. Uh, yeah. But obviously Andy's now pulled out. So he's getting more luck, perhaps, uh, Petrovic. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought also, Joel, I saw on Twitter um, today that, Mohamed Lyoni was chairing the final and his microphone wasn't wasn't working or they didn't have a microphone so he was just having to shout uh which I thought was quite funny um perhaps implying that the tournament you know really wasn't set up uh the best it could be but you know I think they got by and and hey ho I'm sure you know Laszlo Jair is happy yeah, it's a tennis tournament on the ATB tour. I'm sure the players are, you know, absolutely happy that they can actually just get out on the court. I'm sure the, maybe the WTA players are kind of looking at that, being like, Oh, I wish we had these, these sorts of tournaments. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think if that returns next year, whether it was just kind of a one year, you know, one year deal just to, you know, make sure that, you know, they could bulk up, um, you know, the number of tournaments, uh, you know, or, you know, in the, this sort of European swing and almost kind of extend the clay season because it this was a clay this was an outdoor clay tournament kind of following the the French Open so um, yeah we'll we'll see about that but um, yeah join us after a short ad break and we'll be talking about the ATP Player Council and some Wimbledon updates. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim. And now we're going to move on to my favourite bit, Joel, which is back. Now that we've had the slams, we can get back onto our, our little games. Mysterious <laughs> player has returned. Um, yes, we haven't so, done this in a while, have we? I know, it's been ages. Uh, any new <laughs> listeners, we kind of um, play this from time to time and we each come up with a player uh, and some clues and the other person has to guess. So you can obviously play along and see how, how quickly it takes you to, you know, to get the player right. So um, I've got one for you today, Joel. Uh, are you ready? Mm. You ready to, to play I'm along? Ready. I'm, I'm ready for my set of clues. Honestly, I feel like I was <laughs> dreadful at this. And then I transferred that dreadfulness onto my collector set predictions. And now <laughs> I'm just going to transfer that dreadfulness back onto Mysterious Player. So uh, okay. I feel the, the bar is set low, but let's let's give it a shot. Okay, great. Right. Okay, first clue. <laughs> okay. I have a career high ranking of four in the world in singles and two in doubles. Oh, okay. Nikolai Davidenko. Oh, uh, no, but I see where you're going with that. I'm not sure his doubles, I don't know what his doubles ranking <laughs> yeah. was, to be fair, but yeah, he was a perennial yeah. number four, wasn't he, in singles? Yeah, he um, was. A, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, second clue I have won seven career singles titles so far. Oh, so far. Okay. So the cu- a current player. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, number two. Um, uh, I was going to say Vashek Pospisil, but that's definitely not <laughs> correct. Um, I don't think he's been as high let, as four, has he? No. Um, let's say um, Fernando Vadasco. No, it's not him. Um, not sure about his highest oh. ranking, actually. Um, okay, next clue. Next clue. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I turned 27 years old this week. So that gives you an indication oh. of the age. 
Okay. Um, so it's their birthday this week. That's pretty good going at 27 mm. years old. Um, um, uh, Stan Vavrinka? No, Stan no, no, no. Reverend that's, 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 that's a stupid. <laughs> that was a stupid. Stu- I mean, it was stupid on so many levels. Um, okay, no. It's all right. Everyone's just at home laughing at you, Joel. Um, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, clue, four. clue four. I can often be found training at the Rafa Nadal Academy in Mallorca. Oh, okay. Um, it's got to be a Spanish player. It's got to be. Um, or uh, mm, I just don't know. Number four, um, uh, like <laughs> uh, I want to say Bautista Agut, but he's not reached number four. I don't even think he's reached number. He's a very solid player, but uh, solid doesn't get you to number four and number two of the world. Um, um, no, I don't. Okay, no. Next clue. Good shout, though. I do think that's a good shout. Uh, next clue will have you thinking in a different direction, I have to say. Um, okay. I have won a women's Grand Slam doubles title. Oh, here we go. With my compatriots in 2016 at my home slam. Uh, oh, oh, I was, <laughs> was going to say Sabalenka, <laughs> but I don't think they have a home slam. In, that famous in Belarusian in, Grand Slam. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it... Uh, Kiki Mladenovic? No, it's not. It's not. Oh. I love Am how I, you thought it was it... a man, by the way, like the whole time. You're such. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ash you, Barty? you just, you Ash just Barty? assumed it was a bloke, didn't you? Um, yeah. No, it's not Ash Barty. Um, um, you, you're getting warmer, I have to say. Um, right. Next clue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was part of the 2019 Fed Cup winning team, defeating Australia in the final doubles yes. tie in yes. Perth last year. Yes. Oh, I... Mladenovic won that. So she did. Yeah. It's part. It's Mladenovic's partner, isn't it? And I've yes, got no. Joel. I cannot remember for the life of me. I can't remember oh. for the life of me who that is. Um, okay, Pauline we'll Parmentier. Oh, for Paulie Christ's Pobbin, sake, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No, no, no. French, um, French, oh, she was, French player. She was part of the team, yeah. Um, French player. Um, <sighs> People are tearing their hair out at home. Right, you'll get it. You'll definitely get it on the next clue. <sighs> Do you want me to say it? <sighs> Or are you going to continue um, to struggle along? Is it Caroline Garcia? Oh, wonders will never cease. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Yay. Oh, we got there. We got there. I was about to say, you know, I was tipped to be world number one by a top male player. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, I, I definitely would have got it after that. Breakthrough match in 2011 at Roland Garros. But yes, it is Caro Garcia. One of my favourites. Come on. Um, yeah. So there we go. Uh, got there in the that end, Jill. That was very, very good. That was very, very good. Very, also very, very, like very, very terrible from me. Um, but yeah, maybe mm. next time it'll be me next time. So I'll, I'll test you. Uh, yeah, but listeners, let's say if you've got any players, uh, you want nominated for mysterious player, just let us know on social media <laughs> or don't, don't, don't let us know on social media. Let, just email the show with your player, passing shot pod at gmail.com and we'll see if we can 
write up some write up some clues for them. But um, Kim, let's move on. Passing shot mailbag. Another another feature. Another sort of listener question uh, segment. Another listening question we've got into the show. Um, John actually did contact us by email, and his question for us was this uh guys really love the show my question for you is following sam query hopping on a private jet to flee russia after testing positive for covid if you were in his shoes what country would you tell the pilot to take you to oh is this assuming we were fleeing russia or yeah like Um, assuming we we were going from okay i mean if yeah in his shoes yeah Right. Okay. So Russia's quite cold, I suppose, at the moment. I probably want to go somewhere warm and sunny. Um, that is so, that would be doing quite to well. Take someone who's got positive. COVID well, tests. I don't know if any country would really want to take a known positive case. But I, I mean, I was going to just say like New Zealand because there it seems to be like the yeah, only place okay. on earth where you can be normal. Um, and actually, you know, they, they're not even social distancing. They, I don't think they, they seem to be back to normality and which is ridiculously yeah, good yeah. for them. So I guess I'd go there if, if there was a whole world to I, choose from. I think I, I mean, this is quite rogue. I'm, I would go to Cuba. <laughs> um, like that, just to get a bit of Havana action. Yeah, I just yeah, think like culture. No, no, just, I kind of lay, yeah. just kind of lay. I think it's a good place you could lay low. Not many people gonna think about yeah. it. You know, there's always like you know, I, I just think it'd be a good place to be. And yeah, by the Have sea some and mojitos. Mm. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, um, so yeah, I, 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 I go, I go, uh, yeah, I go Cuba. Um, I mean, it but, depends uh, how expensive this plane in- was because if it was like <laughs> that's you know, true. Per mile uh, spent, you'd, you'd probably just go next door. I'd go to Finland or something. Yeah. Uh, and hey, I, I would want to get the air miles. I would want to get the air <laughs> miles. So I'm, I, that's why I've chosen a long distance destination. I see. Well, I'm um, going to the other side of the earth. So, hey, you can't get more long distance than, than New Zealand from, from Europe. But uh, yeah, it'd be worth it when you get there. But no, that's an interesting question. Thank you very much, John. Um, it's uh, It could be a new yeah a, a slightly different game that we could play perhaps uh taking inspo from sam query but yes uh let's go back to well to some of the other news before we kind of finish up this week's episode um yeah a bit of news on the player council uh you know we we're talking about andy murray and felix oj alizim earlier on but both of them are now on the atp player council um they have replaced the guys who kind of left to join uh the ptpa so yeah, we've got a bit of a change in in setup on the on the player council. I mean, what do you make of that? What does this mean for the what does this mean for the the PTPA because you've got someone of Andy Murray's like, you know, caliber and fame joining the uh, the you know, the main original <laughs> player council. Does does this mean that that Djokovic's new thing is kind of like, you know, not getting the kind of go ahead from from Andy and obviously Roger and Rafa are kind of against it as well. Is is there any hope for the PTPA still? What do you think? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think. I, I think this is like their. You know, this is sort of their reaction to. I think this being set up, and you know, they're looking at their guys to be like, look, who can we, you know, who can we bring in to kind of you know lead us forward? Um, it's interesting. I think Ogier Aliassim is is on board because you know. 
you know, we talked about him as a fantastic prospect, you know, one for the game in the future, potentially to, you know, fill that, you know, mantle or sorry, fill that void or that space that's going to be left by, you know, players like Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, Andy Murray, um, you know, on the ATP side. Um, and, you know, this is him almost kind of, I think, showing, you know, that res- responsibility off court. Cause we, you know, we, we always kind of think about the, you know, the achievements of kind of the big three, Andy Murray, et cetera, on court. But you've got to also think about their, you know, their off court presence as well. And I think it's very, um, it, yeah, I think it's very interesting to see Oja Aliasim kind of step it up. Um, as well as, you know, as well as Andy Murray. I know, I think, I know, I know kind of Andy Murray was sort of on the fence about the, the PTPA in, in terms of, you know, I think before he was kind of talking about, you know, there weren't any kind of women on board at sign up, which made him think, um, you know, which made him kind of a bit hesitant towards it. Um, so, you know, I think kind of it, it, it's interesting. I think, you know, maybe there could have been, I mean, just kind of looking at the kind of the players there, I wonder whether, you know, Andy Murray is, is there at large to kind of represent kind of everyone um, because the others are kind of there to kind of represent pe- uh, kind of players in their kind of rankings bracket. But I think it's great to see kind of Andy there in terms of, you know, a player who's obviously been at the top and now is sort of, you know, almost sort of, you know, slubbing it at kind of 250 level um, with all the, you know, all the other players. So I think he's going to have a really kind of great kind of perspective on things. Um, but yeah, I don't know what this kind of means for the the, the PTPA. Interesting, Oje Aliasim has kind of gone one way and then he's got someone like uh, his countryman, Vashep Pospisil, go the completely different way and join the the kind of the newly set up PTPA. But um Sam Sam Query also Joel was one of those players that left um to join the the PTPA. So I don't know doesn't bode that well does it when you've got a player you know I don't know brazenly defying tour regulations and rules you know one one of those uh, he's one of the kind of PTPA supporters I suppose if you like but um yeah I guess we'll have to see how how it develops how it progresses I mean, the PTPA discussions have gone a bit quiet since it was kind of unveiled at the US Open. So I'd, I'm kind of intrigued over maybe the off season to see what's going to happen with all of that. I mean, I know they say that they're not trying to kind of boycott anything. They're just they're not trying to create a separate tour. They're just wanting to give a, you know an alternative voice and. Um, you know, value to the players and, and, you know, work more on behalf of the players and not the tournaments. Um, so they're not trying to kind of necessarily compete or throw everything up in the air. But uh, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting that, you know, Sam Query pops up again uh, in our discussion on that. But um, <laughs> I mean, let's just touch on a couple of other updates, Joel, uh, about kind of the slams that we've had Wimbledon uh Wimbledon kind of uh, releasing a bit of an update about their preparations for next year. I mean, I got an email about this, which was exciting. I mean, in a way, what they said was kind of maybe quite obvious. They said, you know, at the moment, they're considering different operational scenarios, whether it would be like a full capacity championships, reduced capacity with like reduced fans or completely behind closed doors. Um, I mean, I can't imagine it would ever be a full capacity championships, but um, it's going to be interesting to see if they just would rather do it completely without any fans or if they're going to have some in. Because I, I was thinking if you do have some fans in, like obviously they've they've got people who, you know, won tickets in the ballot 
um, this year and they've kind of just had their tickets deferred for next year. So I assume that the the ticket holders would come out of that group. And then, you know, you've got debenture seat holders who have kind of basically prepaid their ticket for like 10 years or so, you know, they would surely be given preference. So I don't know how they'd work it out, really. Will it kind of be pulling names out of a hat in terms of who gets to go? It feels like it could be like a ballot within a ballot if, yeah. you know, a reduced capacity championships is is the route it, you know uh is the route or is the if is the scenario that kind of unfolds i mean it's i still feel like it's a bit too early to kind of tell at the moment um but it's interesting to hear you know it's it it sounds like you know it is a 100 percent going ahead we just don't know how yet um no you know this year it didn't go ahead because you know one of the reasons was you know the uh you know the insurance money um that they were able to get um given the the contract that they had um but they're not going to have that clause uh next year so i think that was probably one of the reasons you know like look guys we need to make sure that this event goes ahead so let's let's wait and see i mean at the moment kim what are you what are you thinking are we going to see a full capacity championships reduced or, or what do you think or behind closed doors I mean, I'd love full capacity. I'd, I'd love to be able to go myself, but um, I'm sort of assuming it might be like a, a max of a, a few thousand fans. I mean, it just depends, doesn't it, on the situation. But I just feel like the fans that will be there, they've, they're going to give priority to those who kind of had won tickets in the ballot. Um, I, I feel like there, there won't be a queue, uh, which I'm quite disappointed about if so because you know i love just rocking up to the queue and and getting in so i i I don't know if we'll be able to go i genuinely don't think the queue will be able to exist ever again i don't think you can socially distance that queue i i just you can socially i mean it's outside but it's they're not going to want mass gatherings are they they're going to want people to already have their tickets in advance that you know they're i mean it's just going to be very dif- dif- difficult it's you know it's quite a small small site isn't it and yeah it, unless the virus suddenly disappears completely but i mean there's still a long way to go but uh i mean the australian open um obviously that's due to happen in, in january i think it would be about three months well today uh that it's due to start on the 18th of jan um I mean, Craig Tiley, who's like the the head of the AO, he's kind of said that they can't stage it if all the players are like forced to go into like a two week quarantine before, you know, before playing. Um, But I'm sure like that the Australian government would be able to, you know, bend the rules for professional sports people. You know, we saw that in the US Open. We saw that in the French Open. The kind of normal rules are not applying to these like elite athletes i'm sure they'll be able to to allow that they'll just do you know what we saw at the us open they'll just surely kind of do you know advanced regular testing and bubbles and and such like i'm sure they'll be able to get it get it going i mean australia like they're doing so much better aren't they generally than than for example the us were doing um i know melbourne was like their hub but uh, i just i we're going to need this tournament to happen. I think we're all going to be oh, so we, depressed we are, yeah. in Europe. I mean, uh, the fact that they've had such a, I think with Wimbledon as well, the fact that both of these have, a, they've had a good, you know, run up to their event that it's almost kind of like, regardless of what situation, you know, your country is in, regardless of what situation the city is in, you should be able, you know, with the time you have to, kind of prepare for it and it sounds like the Australian Open and Wimbledon are kind of doing that at the moment in terms of kind of scenario planning um so let's again let's see how it kind of develops but it does sound like we're going to have a a full quota of Grand Slams 
next year. Um, but you know, looking at next week, um, we have we still got some we've got some more tournaments. So we've we talked about we've got Cologne two. Um, I think Zverev again is the the top seed there. We've got Antwerp where you'll remember Kim Andy Murray won uh, last year. He won't be there. He's injured. Um, and is not playing well he's not even playing Cologne 2 he wasn't even going to play Antwerp and then we also have Ostrava in in Czech Republic now as I said Joe Conter's pulled out of uh that tournament because of the worsening kind of Covid situation over there um I'm not sure if other players kind of followed suit but um yeah we've got kind of three more tournaments to kind of sink our teeth into next week so I hope listeners can can join us for for that but um yeah I think this kind of wraps it up for this episode of the passing shot hope you've enjoyed listening to this kind of tour catch up post post french open um if you if you have enjoyed listening to us make sure to leave us a rating and comment if you listen to us on apple podcasts and remember to subscribe to us to make sure you are up to date on all the latest tennis news whether that is on spotify apple overcast castbox stitcher wherever you listen to us make sure you hit that subscribe button and you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at Passing Shot Pod. And if you'd like to email us, we, uh, you can do so, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. If you've got any questions or suggestions or feedback or comments, do let us know. Send us a tweet, send us an email. And yeah, we love to hear, hear all your thoughts. Yes. And we will be back next Sunday to recap all of those tournaments. Who knows, Kim? Maybe we'll find out where Sam Query uh, has, has you know, got, got a private jet to. So, uh, yeah, we'll make sure to keep all of our listeners updated on all of the tennis events that are going to come across in the, the following seven days. So make sure. So make sure you look out for that next Sunday, probably next Sunday evening. But uh, until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you again shortly. Goodbye. So, Joel, should we take a bet on where we think Sam Query's ended up? Do you think he's gone just over the border of Finland, Estonia? Or do you think he's oh, gone for some Sweden? Fun, like Spain? Hmm. Should we, should we, I, I'm going to put, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Germany. They've got great healthcare. Ooh. They're doing better with the virus. Okay. No, Germany. I'm going to say Sweden. I think he <laughs> he would have wanted some herd immunity, I think. Or some cinnamon rolls. <laughs>